Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Before anything else could be purified in kind, in turn, in response, there had to be this purification on the part of and in the hearts of the priests and the Levites. Let me say it this way. It is impossible for us to effectively lead God's people, especially when it comes to worship, if we ourselves are not walking in purity. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Nehemiah. After years of ceremonial uncleanness, the Levitical priests had to go through ceremonial cleansing before they could offer praises to God. Pastor J.D. will be teaching about how God blessed the returning exiles once they began following the dictates of the law again. He will tell us about our need to remain pure so we can worship God properly, too. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Nehemiah chapters 11 and 12 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. So, you've already made this decision and once you get there, you're just going to kind of play it by ear? Don't you think the spiritual aspect of this decision should supersede the financial aspect of it? Don't misunderstand me. It's not to say that the financial isn't a factor in the decision-making process, but it shouldn't be the factor in the decision-making process. You can go take this job, and I've seen it happen, where this decision is made, and they get there, and oh yeah, the money's great. Bigger house, nicer car, better pay, and but what expense? At what expense? Can't find a church that preaches the Word, which by the way, and I think you would agree, that's getting more and more difficult in this day and age. I shared about how when I went to the mainland, it was really eye-opening to me. I jokingly say, I don't get out much. Well, there's some truth to that. I don't get off this island much. I think the only time I've been off the island is if I take a group to Israel. And this was my first time off the island going to the East Coast to speak at these conferences. And it allowed me the opportunity to get to speak with and fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ who just, I mean, poured out their hearts to me about how that within miles from where they live, there's not even a church that they can walk into that preaches the Word. Some of the things that are going on in church is just heartbreaking. It's what Paul, again, writes to Timothy about that will mark the last days, that they will not put, this is to the church, that they will not put up with sound doctrine but they'll gather for themselves teachers that in, and flock to them in large numbers if they can find somebody that will tell them what their ears are itching to hear. And this is what we're seeing today. They will not tolerate, they will not put up with sound doctrine, a Bible teaching church where 
the pastor preaches the word. And so they're starving. They're starving. Spiritually, they're starving. And it's not easy nowadays. I mean, thank God for the internet that people can go online now and find sound Bible teaching. It's not the same. They don't have the fellowship of being able to assemble themselves together, as the writer of Hebrews talks about. Verse 27, now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps, And the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the, I'll try my best on this, Netophethites, from the house, verse 29, of Gilgal, and from the fields of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. So interesting, the Levites, now the priestly tribe that had the responsibility of the temple worship, now we see them also being the ones to lead the people in worship. And it's also interesting because of the musical instruments that we have mentioned here. By the way, it's believed that throughout Scripture there is a mention of some 22 different instruments. Also, by the way, you know there's going to be musical instruments in heaven, lots of musical instruments in heaven, not just harps. Be stringed instruments. There's going to be all kinds of musical instruments in heaven. Here's what I'm thinking, and we'll move on. But this, to me, speaks to the paramount importance of praise and worship in the life of God's people. You know that they did a study. This is a while back. I used to really be into music once upon a time in a land far, far away. (laughs) And my music teacher said to us that they did a study once where they took people for one month, 30 days, and they could not listen to music at all. No music. Nada. Nothing. And they almost went crazy. You know that our brains are wired for music. You know when you're using both sides of your brain, both men and women, take heart, men. You know how <laughs> the women, uh, this is a whole other topic for another time, but um, you know when you're singing, you're actually using both sides of your brain when you're singing? Uh, by the way, that's why sometimes your whole mood can change just by virtue of the kind of music you're listening to or singing along with. And this is also, too, by the way, why it is that we don't necessarily know the songs we like as much as we like the songs we know. Example, whenever the worship team does a hymn, oh, I mean, we just talk about being all in. i got to confess that I notice that you sing more with those songs than you do any other song. 
All it takes is for us to be led in a song, a hymn like the old rugged cross. Uh, how about that one Sunday? I'm usually uh, uh, leaving, but I love that. I wanted to come back out and start jumping up and down, get a little Pentecostal, but just a close walk with thee. I love that song. And you were all singing that song. But sometimes we just don't know the songs we like. We like the songs we know. But the brain, the mind, this is the way God wired us. And by the way, what do you think we're going to be doing for all eternity? We're going to be, and don't ever think for a second that we're going to be looking at our watches. We're not even going to have watches in eternity. Kind of like, wow, this is a very long praise and worship service. Oh yeah. But this is what we're going to do as a response to being with Him before the throne. We're just going to be worshiping Him. You know what worship means? Worth-ship. We worship Him because He's worthy of our worship, all of our praise, all of our worship. God has just done the miraculous for the Israelites, and this is their response. This is just a natural outpouring of praise and worship to God. Verse 30, then the priests and the Levites, very important, purified themselves and purified the people. This was a purification ceremony. They also purified the gates and the wall. Now we don't do this today, but this was part of the Levites and the priests' service there in the temple, but it was a purification service. Now, to me, this is a very important principle when it comes to walking in purity before the Lord. I don't know if this can be overstated, but notice how they had to first purify themselves. Before anything else could be purified in kind, in turn, in response, there had to be this purification on the part of and in the hearts of the priests and the Levites. Let me say it this way. It is impossible for us to effectively lead God's people, especially when it comes to worship, if we ourselves are not walking in purity before the Lord. Listen to what the psalmist writes in 24 verses 3 through 5. Question is asked, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or Here's another one. Who may stand in his holy place? Answer, verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Speaking of uh, worship songs, we have a worship song. This is an oldie, right? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. I think we would do well to ask ourselves, how can we, like them then, purify 
ourselves, oh, the Lord does it for us. But there is a prerequisite, and it's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. This verse has been often referred to as the Christian bar of soap <laughs> that purifies and cleanses us. John writes, if we confess our sins, that's the condition that is predicated upon, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, or as another translation renders it, purify us from all unrighteousness. Paul, writing to the Ephesus church, says to them, using this metaphor to husbands, he says, you can purify your wives with the washing of the water of the Word. I didn't know this until some time ago, actually. But did you know that water is the cleansing agent, not soap? Soap is what loosens the dirt. It's the water that cleanses. Water is the cleansing agent. And the Word of God is likened unto that water that cleanses and purifies. And boy, isn't that true? How it is in our lives when there's an impurity, where there's unrighteousness, uncleanness. We're going to be talking about that ugly word in Galatians, uncleanness. How it is that when we get into the Word and the Word gets into us, it has this cleansing effect. It has this purifying effect. It washes us. It cleans us. It cleanses us. Verse 31, so I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. What? Two And two of them. These were choirs. Imagine groups of vocalists, singers, who were appointed to one of two choirs that just for the sole purpose of singing thanksgiving. One went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. That's a good place for thanksgiving choirs. <laughs> After them went Hoshaiah and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priests, sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zakur, the son of Asaph. By the way, Asaph, the son of Asaph, Asaph was one of the psalmists, and his brethren, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Ma'ayah, how am I doing here? Nathanel, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra, the scribe, went before them by the fountain gate in front of them. They went up the stairs of the city of David, on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way, verse 38, and I was behind them with half of the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim, 
above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. Remember when we went through all of the gates by name? And they, and they all pointed to the person of Jesus Christ. Fascinating study of just the gates alone. The sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. So, verse 40, the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God, Likewise, I am the half of the rulers with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Maaseiah, Minjamin, Micaiah, Elioenai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets. Also, Maaseiah, Shemaiah, Eliazar, Uzi, Jehohanan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. This, now listen to this. The singers, saying loudly with Jezariah, the director. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. You want to know why? I'm glad you asked. We're told why. For God had made them rejoice. And this was not just any rejoicing. Rejoice with great joy. (laughs) Not just joy, great joy. The women and the children also rejoice. There's nothing like families worshiping together. There's nothing like seeing a family raising their hands and praising and worshiping the Lord together. And they rejoice. The women and the children also rejoice so that, and I love this, the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. With all due respect to our amazing AV team, they didn't have you guys, and it was still heard from afar off. Would to God that our rejoicing, our worshiping of God, our praising God, would be heard from afar off. This is what worship is meant to be. I have an office in the house, and I'll sometimes just shut the door, turn the AC up high, (laughs) and uh, I'll just praise God. And I I particularly enjoy doing it with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I just play the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Man, I'm just belting it out. I'm so out of tune. I'm so off-key. I'm so flat, sharp, everything in between. But man, I'm just, I'm just praising God. I got my hands up in the air, and it's loud. And I know the neighbors can hear it, and I don't care. <laughs> I want them to hear it. I, it's just me and the Lord, and I'm just praising the Lord. And then I, again, I'm speaking of myself, and I come here to church, and you would think I was amongst the frozen chosen. I'm back there, you know, very proper. I'm the pastor, after all, right? And it's like the Holy Spirit's going, really? Wait, where was that guy that was praising me? Uh Back at home when you were just, I mean, it was loud and you were rejoicing. And what are you doing here? What, what, are you afraid somebody's going to look back and look at you and go, look at the pastor and he's got his arms up, he's got sweat stains underneath in his pits and what's up with that? There, I think I 
handle that as well as I possibly could. I think you get the point. I mean, come on, we're worshiping God here. Consider all the great things God has. He's worthy anyway. God would not have to do another thing in my life. He saved me. That's enough for me to praise Him and thank Him. Where's the Thanksgiving choir? You know, God likes to be thanked. God likes to be thanked. Oftentimes we say, Lord, bless this, bless that. Have you ever thought about us blessing God? You ever think about how it is that we bless God? When we thank Him, when we praise Him, when we worship Him? Well, verse 44, And at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes, gathered them into them from the fields of the cities of the portions specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Boy, I would have loved to have been there. They're rejoicing over the priests and the Levites who ministered. They're thanking God for them. (laughs) Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon his son. For in the days, verse 46, of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. You know what's going on here? And this again speaks to a very important principle. When we give of our tithes and offerings, you know that's a form of worship, right? Oftentimes when I'm referring to the agape boxes, you know, we don't, again, especially for our online church, we don't receive an offering in the traditional way. Again, nothing wrong with that, but we don't do that. We just have these boxes on the back and people give cheerfully and of their own volition. But I'll oftentimes say that for those wishing to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, you can do so after the service we have the agape boxes. Now why do I say that? Because when we give of our tithes and offerings, it's a continuation of our worship, worship of God. And tithing is a form of worship, and they're continuing. This is a worship service, right? And part of the worship, a big part, it's not just an afterthought. No, a big part of the worship service is the giving of the tithes and the offerings to the Lord. It is a form of worship. The book of Nehemiah introduces us to a biblical character who wasn't a priest. In fact, he held no great spiritual title at all. Nehemiah was just an ordinary man who God used to do something extraordinary. God still does this today. You don't have to hold an important office or study at seminary to do great things for your creator. God wants to use every follower to make an impact in the world for his kingdom and has uniquely equipped each of us with the skills we need to do just that. You have a purpose. You can be sure of that. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other teachings by Pastor J.D., visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
There's also a link to our special weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth, and Pastor J.D. is here to tell you more about them. Yes, I'd like to invite our In Spirit and Truth listeners to join us for our weekend editions in which I do a Bible prophecy update. We look at current events happening around the world and how they relate to specific prophecies in the Bible. We broadcast these updates each Friday and Saturday, or you can find previous updates on our YouTube channel and you can find the link at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks, Pastor J.D. You can also access the Mideast Prophecy Update and other teachings on our mobile app, as well as learn more about In Spirit and Truth. Find a link to download at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor J.D. will continue teaching through Nehemiah next time on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true. 